We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marr. Today, a conversation with former FBI Director James Comey. He served four years as director of the FBI, was fired by President Trump, and told his story in the best-selling book, A Higher Loyalty. What a time to be talking to him. Lots going on involving the Bureau and even Comey himself. I spoke with him just a few minutes ago and asked, should the FBI reopen the background check on Judge Kavanaugh, the big news story of the day? Well, I think based on past practice, that would be up to the White House to ask if they wanted additional background investigation work done by the FBI. The FBI traditionally does criminal investigations. That's not what we're talking about here. This is where the FBI, at the request of a sponsoring agency, in this case the White House, does investigation to understand someone's background or reputation. And so my understanding is, in the past, if we're asked to do supplemental work, we would do it. But you're on the outside looking in now. Do you think this would make sense to uh, to go back to that? The Bureau has been in on five or six uh, investigations of the judge. Yeah, I don't know, because I, I don't know exactly what was done in the other investigations. And it really is not the Bureau's call. In circumstances like this, the Bureau does what it is asked to do by the, by the entity, as I said, in this case, the White House, that is nominating, putting up the person. If they want additional work done, in my experience, the Bureau would go out and do the additional work if there was more to be done. I guess we'd have to conclude that the president is likely not, not likely to be inclined to, to do that. I don't know. I really yeah, don't. Sure. I've seen him saying something about the FBI's uh, independence, which may be an appreciation he's come to uh, later in his term. But, but my experience is the FBI will do whatever the White House wishes them to do with respect to additional background work. Well, there's another issue that in which you are uh, sort of directly, indirectly involved, and that is that the president has ordered the release of uh, un- unredacted Justice Department and FBI communications that apparently could be helpful to him in the collusion uh, situation. What are your thoughts about that? Some of those uh, communications are yours. Yeah, I, personally, I don't care. There's nothing. I wasn't a big texter, so I don't know that there are any texts of mine, but on email, I I'm not worried about anything I said on email. I have a separate worry, which is institutional, and I really hope the Department of Justice and the FBI look at this closely. You don't want to do anything in disclosing information that's connected to an intelligence investigation that would either screw up pending investigations or send a message to future sources that we can't be trusted to protect you. So I'm sure they're staring at all of that. You you wouldn't want to willy-nilly push out what's in it otherwise classified file. But as far as me personally, I'm not worried about it at all. How could these uh, communications help him, do you think, in this uh, Mueller investigation? I don't know, honestly. At at every turn, I've seen Republicans on the Hill and the president saying the next revelation will show that the FBI acted in a bad way, and each revelation shows that the FBI conducted itself, as I know we did, in a professional, routine, uh, up, up, you know, upholding the rule of law at every turn. And so 
I don't know how it would help. Does it have the potential for disrupting the, the, the Mueller uh, investigation? Yeah, that's what I mean when I said right. you don't want to. Because I'm on the outside, I can't say for sure, so sure. I can just say generally. You don't want to dump stuff out publicly that might have an impact on pending investigations. So despite what the president said, I would hope that the Department of Justice and the FBI would look carefully, engage with the special prosecutor, and push back if there are things that would otherwise be released that would affect ongoing investigations. Congressman Schiff of California has has called this an abuse of power. Would you go that far? No, because I don't know enough, given that I'm on the outside and been on the outside since I was fired in May of 2017. I don't know enough to say. There must be some satisfaction these days of being on the outside looking in as opposed to the other way around. <laughs> yeah, there is a small part. I mean, I've never liked political types, and so it's nice to be away from that part of the world. The painful part is I still really miss the people of the FBI who are not political people, and so that's, that's the worst part about being on the outside. How much damage has been done to the Bureau in the last year, year and a half, given all that's gone on, the, the firings, the accusations, and that sort of thing? I don't, I don't know how I would measure it except to say, sure, there's been damage to the FBI. And to my mind, the most important source of that damage is the repeated attacks on the institution by the president and his allies. That is not in any American's interest. I don't care what your politics are. We need the Bureau to be seen for what it really is, which is an independent professional organization. It's going to be okay in the long run, but I worry in the short run, if people come to believe the lie, and it is a lie, that the FBI is on someone's side politically, then that can affect them where their work matters the most, at a doorway telling a drug dealer's girlfriend, we'll protect you if you talk to us, or in front of a jury saying, I found this in this corrupt executive's right-hand desk drawer. If they're not trusted and believed in those places, we are less safe. And so I think it's something, again, it shouldn't be about politics. Republicans know this, just as Democrats do. That institution is apolitical, and we need it very badly. How are you reading the, I'll call it intimidation, that'll be my word, of the, of the attorney general? The president is relentless, particularly most recently, in being critical of him. And that, re- that relates to the entire department, not just the FBI. I can't make any sense of it. I, I don't think that there's ever been a situation in American history where the president is constantly attacking his own attorney general. And so it not only doesn't make any sense, it's, it's unprecedented. And here's an odd thing, though. It's become so, so blatant and so repeated and with so little follow-up. Right. If you don't like your attorney general, you can fire your attorney general if you're the president. That, in a way, I think it's now just noise to the Department of Justice and the career people there go on with their work, knowing that there's some circus going on above them, but it's not going to affect their work. Well, Sessions seems to be just hanging in there in spite of all this. I mean, there's a certain degree of hum- humiliation in some of the things that have been said. Yeah, I don't know what his personal calculation is. I don't know him well enough to say, but... It, you're right to ask the question. I, I don't know how he uh, how he suffers through it, but he clearly is, and he's clearly going on with his work. Well, this is another of those outside, uh, looking toward the inside questions, and that is how do you read the, the, the Mueller investigation as to where it is now? I don't know. I know it's been incredibly productive, 
in just over a year, it's produced all kinds of charges and convictions. And so they've been working really hard and produced a lot of results. But I don't know. I think there's an argument to be made that the conviction, the plea in cooperation by Paul Manafort may represent that we're in the fourth quarter because the way you normally do investigations is you work from the bottom up. And so they're getting pretty high. But again, the reason I'm, I'm hesitant to even say that is Bob Mueller has conducted his investigation like a pro. You know nothing about it except through his public filings. And that's the way it's supposed to be. So I can't say with certainty where he is. I, I wonder, as most people do, and perhaps you do as well, wonder if we're going to get anything before the election. Would that would that be appropriate? Would that be uh, strategically or tactically the right thing to do? I don't know, because I don't know what the it is. There are no, despite what you may have heard, there are no rules that govern how we handle investigations in the run-up to an election. There's, so there's nothing that would prohibit him from either doing or not doing anything in the run-up to an election. There's an important norm, which I struggled with in the Clinton investigation case, that we try to avoid action in the run-up to an election that might have an impact on the election, but there are no rules that govern that because we always want what's in the interest of justice to drive an investigation, not an external timeline. Where are we now, would you say, with regard to the president and the issue of the rule of law? I think we're in two different places. We're in a place where the president of the United States relentlessly attacks the rule of law and the institutions of justice. So that's terrible. But the second place we're in is that Americans have awakened to the importance of the rule of law and the danger posed by its erosion. And that's a very, very important sort of antibody response. And it's a source for optimism. People who would otherwise not spend a lot of time thinking about it are now thinking about why this matters so much that these institutions not prosecute people because of politics, not protect people because of politics, that they stand apart from the political and seek only to find out what's true and what's just. I think everybody's coming to understand that in a way provoked by the attack. I guess we'll have a chance to find out how it's really playing uh, on November 6th. Yeah, that's right. I, I have to imagine that concern will be an important reflection of that. The most important test, obviously, will come in 2020, which I believe is an opportunity for Americans to stand up and vote their values and realize that's above the things we normally fight with each other about. The question of the election is one that uh, I guess a lot of people are talking about. But to move on to other things, and I just wanted to get some sense uh, from you as to um, what it was like for you during those months in which you were on the hot seat before the book came out, the criticism, the exposure. What was that time like for you and your family? Both normal and weird. <laughs> uh, normal in the sense that I have this incredible family, five kids, and I'm married to my best friend. And so in a way, that is a source of resilience and normalcy. And we would joke about that situation and if the president's tweeting about that, all that kind of stuff, but then move on to the other things that families always talk and think about. And so normal, weird in the sense that it was never one of my career goals to be famous. And, and I became a little bit famous. And being a giraffe, 6'8", it's hard to hide. And so having people recognize me 
in the grocery store and airport was a weird experience. And so it's a combination of normal and weird. What are your career goals now? To have that uh, weird part go away <laughs> and, 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 to, and to expand the normal to include what I'm doing now, which is teaching. I taught last year at Howard University for a year. I'm teaching this year at William & Mary, and that's both hard and really fun for me. And so teaching and speaking, I'm trying to be part of the conversation that I talked about earlier about values and the things that actually should unite us above the political issues that normally divide us and that are more important than those issues. And so that's what I look forward to talking about when I'm in St. Louis. That kind of thing really excites me and gives me a, a sense of optimism. From time to time, we hear the the rumor, maybe even, even a request from some, that uh, Jim Comey run for political office, perhaps even the presidency. <laughs> no, no way. <laughs> that would be beyond weird. It would create a separate sphere. There'd be normal, there'd be weird, and there'd be really weird. So, no, I, I don't have any interest in running for political office. But that doesn't mean I, I, like all of us in this country, can't be useful in the public forum. And so that's where I think of myself contributing through speaking and through teaching, not through running for office. In these days of political gridlock, it may be more effective being, again, on the outside, uh, looking in rather than the other way around. Yep, another great argument for never doing it. One more question, because I know our time is limited. I just read that uh, you and CBS are negotiating over a serious possibility uh, for the uh, for your book. What's going on there? I saw that. There, there's nothing to be announced yet, but there was a lot of interest from people in both the big screen and small screen worlds out in California to try and turn the book into a, either a movie or a TV show. And I resisted it until someone said, hey, look, if your book sells a million or two copies, it'll be a huge bestseller. If a TV show has a million or two viewers, it's canceled immediately. So if your goal is to be useful, you really ought to listen to us if you want to get out a vision of what leadership should be or could be. And so I've, I've been having those conversations with lots of people, and we'll see what happens. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, if you think Washington is weird, you may find an even weirder place in Los Angeles. <laughs> I'm, I'm not cool or weird enough for either place. Yeah. You've, uh, you've been to St. Louis before, I'm sure. Just a quick thought on this town and uh, your famili familiarity with it. Oh, yeah, I've been there a number of times. I really like St. Louis because I think it actually is a sort of a meeting of east and west, north and south in a cool way. And it's also the kind of city I like, which is big enough to be a city, and and but small enough to be manageable. I grew up in the New York area, and always found New York a little too uh, too big for me. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you here, um, Director Jim Comey, when you come on uh, October 9th. We'll look forward to that. Same here. Thanks for the time. St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.